inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Outlook, final show of October. This year is flying by. How are you doing there, Carrie? Still calling you from London. You're back in Woodstock today. Yeah, we're still doing the distancing thing. Yep. Staying responsible, although we do see each other because we're family, so, you know, have to see some people. But but I, I, don't, I don't go to your apartment as much as I might. But, uh, yeah, we like to talk about other things on this show than Corona, so. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, we have another guest on today, a really exciting one. So, Carrie, perhaps you want to take a minute and talk about talk about that. Um, we're also now available as a podcast on, well, we've been available as a podcast for a while, but now we're also on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio, along with Apple and Spotify. Just search for Outlook on Radio Western. And we had a great guest on last week. Rob Castro Giovanni, so check that out. And we have another guest today. Yeah, so um, I found this uh, lady through Facebook. Uh, and I think it was probably just I, someone else shared something that uh, she put out there. And I found this, this blog and this Facebook page that was called Happiness is Blind. And I was, you know, interested, I was sort of interested. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've gotten to know her a little bit. So I asked her if she'd want to be on Outlook uh, during um, Blindness Awareness Month, actually, as oh, we're yeah, still in. Oh, yeah, the last, last show of Blindness Awareness Month for, another, for this year, anyway. Yeah. So, um, Melissa from Happiness is Blind, thank you for coming on Outlook today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, like, I uh, appreciate it, because uh, we know, or I know that you have three young children uh, at home. Yeah, so, I was just wondering how it might be a little hard to get some quiet time to do it, but uh, uh -huh. yeah, that's okay. It's good to have a little bit of alone time. <laughs> for sure, right. Yeah. So yeah, Melissa, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, okay, um, I am from Calgary, Alberta. So yeah, I live here. I have three kids, and they're six and a half almost three, and then my youngest son, Timothy, is one and a half, and he has a genetic condition called Lieber congenital amaurosis. Right, and as we pointed out on Outlook before, that's what, exactly what Brian and I have, yeah, uh, just, and we are... It just so happens that Carrie and I both have Lieber's congenital amaurosis as well, so... Mm. So yeah, uh, that was one thing that I noticed. Actually, I was, I was checking out your blog again recently, and I noticed that... Uh, Timothy, your youngest, uh, he who we're going to talk about today, he was born on March 31st. Yeah, I, just, I saw that as well, and actually <laughs> of 2019. Uh, but <laughs> my there's a whole there's a whole thing with us because you know we grew up um, as brother and sister, and when, I guess the first thing I noticed when I found your your page and stuff was just that the pictures you you post of, of Timothy and your other children also, but you're just you give you give lovely descriptions, which is important. Uh, it gives me a chance to be able to understand what's in the photo. So I was just really moved by uh, your, your descriptions of your son because, yeah, in a way it reminded me of Brian 
Even well, yeah, I just wanted three, to three years older. Yeah, I, I was I was born on March thirtieth, so yeah, uh, I thought that was oh, interesting really cool. when I saw the thirty first right there on the on the blog. Um, we yeah, should let our listeners know you can you can find her website at happinessisblind.com. Yeah, I'll ask more about that in a bit, but um, yeah, I guess it's just like we said, interesting to have someone who's just starting out on this journey uh, when. I mean, a different perspective as where these where the children that Timothy would grow up to be, kind of. Uh, and I look at my young bro- younger brother as sort of, yeah, I still think of him as a little boy. So, so you know, so it's just extra close to me. But I guess I want to know what what were you? What was your life like before? Your, I guess Timothy, or before you had kids, like who, who were you before that sort of stage of your life? You know, I really I had my daughter when I was pretty young, so. Right. I was still in school. I was in university. Um, so I was, I went to school to be a social worker. Okay. So I kind of was working with people anyway, and I'm passionate about advocacy and stuff in general. Right. Um, before I even had Timothy. So that just kind of. Yeah, that sort of works out in a roundabout in that way. Direction. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I'm um, like, as we talk about when we think of um, my, our parents having two-sided children and then um, I came along and then Brian, of course, just to think of what their lives are like before we came along is so, it's so strange a concept. So, you know, become, when you become a mother at any age, you know, it becomes a different fa- phase in your life. So just wanted to know if you can remember back that far, you know, of course it was just a couple of years for you, but yeah. But um, yeah, no, you, you post lovely moments in your family. And so uh, you had some practice of parenting, obviously, then when you had two daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, did, what was the first moment you noticed there was something different? Um, I think Timothy was about six weeks old when I noticed that his eyes kind of jumped around. And right. immediately I kind of just thought, that it might be a normal baby thing because I remembered that my daughter's eyes weren't always focused at that age. So I didn't really think too much of it until a couple other people had mentioned it to me as something that was maybe a little bit different. Um, And that's kind of when I first noticed, but I I didn't really do anything about it because when I looked online, it just kind of said, that babies don't really track objects or focus until they're a little bit older. So I really just left it until he was about three months old. And that's when a doctor brought it up to me and we got things moving. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, blindness wasn't known in your family already. You weren't looking for it or expecting it in any way. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to I wanted to go back just a little bit before that. And I did see on your blog, I believe you'd mentioned that, um, that you didn't know anyone who really who was blind before. So I was just kind of curious before, before Timothy, had you, do you have any recollection of, of thinking about blindness for any reason or coming in contact with anyone who was blind or was it just like, I did know, I not really know, but I, I had been in contact with one um, person before who was blind and they, they actually were just, they were born without eyes completely but it was just through work and I had only met them like very briefly as a, a friend of a client. So I didn't really 
get to like connect with them or talk with them in any way. So it's just kind of like, oh, I know of this person, but I don't really know anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty much natural for anyone where if it's the same with me, if I think of other disabilities, which I'm trying to, to learn more about and think more about, but it's if you if it's something that doesn't directly involve you in your life, it's hard to, you know, you can't, you don't have all the time in the day to think about everything. So it's one of those things that doesn't really come across in your mind until it's actually you're in the situation and then it's uh it's a whole new learning experience so yeah yeah so um yeah the 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 motion you talk about with his eyes that's something that specifically i recall with brian that you would just see the, the whites of them often or it's like i guess since i was i was seeing things back when i was younger maybe i focused more at the time but maybe i've gotten more like that now i'm not even sure but um, yeah, I guess, like you said, with the certain things like cross eyes and certain things get can be noticeable when you're out with somebody. But uh, just beginning this journey, what what was your experience as far as doctors and other um, help you got? Yeah, I think I've had like a mixed experience with it. Um, I've had some really great doctors who have been really helpful in providing knowledge and reassurance and getting us all the help we need and then I've also had some that (laughs) were not so great. Uh, Originally when we got sent to the doctors our family doctor thought he was having seizures. Right. So we went through about a month of trying to explore if he was having like hundreds (laughs) of seizures a day because that's what it would have had to be. so that was that was tough but after we kind of got into an ophthalmologist then things really started moving in the right direction yeah i mean i think (laughs) probably at least once there's it's not not to underestimate the the difficulties and the the feelings that all come along with it but when there is some sort of an answer given that that must feel nice compared to just an unknown time where it's like maybe he has this maybe he doesn't have this you know it's not it's not very specific and i think it when there's not an an answer is when it's really uh it could be even more yeah i think so too it's definitely easier once you kind of know what you're dealing with so you can just you know learn you can learn about it and you can cope with it instead of just getting thrown all over the place yeah the seizures one i'm not sure if i've heard of that as a as a doctor's first reaction to something like this but how about you, Brian? Yeah. yeah, not specifically. I mean, I haven't I haven't talked to a, a ton of uh, parents with blind children, but growing up and stuff, we knew we knew of a few, and our, obviously our, our parents did. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd ever heard of that either. So that is a interesting hmm. observation. I yeah, no, I mean, I've met I've met a lot of eye doctors that seem to know nothing about bl- blindness. Uh, and then I made some, met some really, some really great ones. Uh, yeah. But sometimes, like you wrote about on your blog, um, it, the really good ophthalmologists with something like LCA, um, they're often, they can often see it as soon as they sort of look at them. Is that sort of how it was? Yeah, yeah. When we saw the pediatric ophthalmologist, he probably looked at Timothy for less than five minutes, and like he told me, you have to go for more testing. But I'm going to write down this word, and this is what I think it is. And it was. He wrote down Libra congenital amaurosis. And as soon as I Googled it, I was pretty much certain in my heart that that's what it was going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I guess, so then what kind of things happen next? I, I know you did the, this regular test they do. Uh, I remember hearing about when, when I was an infant and I was in the hospital for it, because it's, it's not a pleasant test to, to have, if, especially if you don't understand what's going on. Is that sort of the next step or was there? Yeah, we, we basically had to wait a few months and then we got to the ERG. Right. Um, we were lucky, though, that um, in Edmonton, where we got it, they had the newer machine that didn't require like a hard contact lens. It just was um, a sticker underneath his eye, and then they put a little handheld camera over. Right. So it was a lot less intense than the test they had told us we were probably going to have to get. <laughs> um, so that was lucky. And then we got our genetic testing done that same day. We got the blood taken for that. Right. Um, so yeah. So how did how did he react with that? So it's an electroretinogram. Mm -hmm. He did not like it. No. Um, he was about seven months old, so it's hard to get that age to sit still to begin with. Right. Yeah. And then to have them flashing these lights directly into his eyes, he was not happy. Oh. Yeah, I'm always amazed they can even get the test done. I know they have their little ways, but it's good to hear that technology is kind of. I guess playing a role to make hopefully things easier in the future because yeah, it's getting so hard to see back a little in the, back in the eighties and stuff like that. And it's times change and technology does make a huge difference. And then hopefully they're not as painful or uncomfortable as they, they have been. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had another one done in uh, recently for something and I got to tell you, it, I'm, I was 35 and it, it wasn't pleasant. So yeah, I don't think <laughs> those things aren't usually pleasant, but no, little Timothy. So, um, sort of, what changed at that point? Were you telling people? Were people um, understanding, for the most yeah. part? I, I mean, I think we pretty much started telling people, like family at least, um, once we saw the original ophthalmologist, and we kind of started like just going off of the concept that he is at least severely visually impaired, possibly legally blind, we don't know, and just kind of going, you know, trying to to learn about that. And then once we saw the the specialist and got the ERG done, then then we definitely um, were open with people that that what he had was called LCA and this is what we know about it and this is what we know about Timothy. Just to kind of, I don't know, we didn't want it to be like a, a secret or it to seem like we were embarrassed or upset. We wanted people to just know like this is what's going on with him and he's still fine and he's still a happy baby and it's not a, it's not the end of the world. Right. And I know there's different reactions, obviously. You feel differently from reactions from people, you know, friends and family or whatever versus even just the strangers you meet in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I guess Brian and I going through our lives, not being able to see when people stare for whatever reason, uh, I guess what's that been like for you emotionally to be able to feel that they're looking at him that way, or maybe they make, you said, maybe they ask a question that they, to educate themselves, but it can still be hard to. Yeah, it's, it's been, it really depends for me on, I guess, the day <laughs> and how, how they approach it. I get a lot of comments on just, oh, he's so tired. He looks so sleepy because he's always rubbing his eyes. That's, you know, the main thing I get. 
And I usually just smile and nod because I'm like, "Uh, I don't have energy for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when people are, you know, if people are like, oh, is he okay? Or he's doing this, then I'll usually try to just be like, oh, yeah, you know, he's blind. He has a genetic condition. That's okay. That's normal for him. And leave it at that. Sometimes my reactions I get from people have surprised me. (laughs) Some people seem to be maybe offended that I said that, which doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know if they're just embarrassed that they asked or I I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I never usually get to follow through with them and have someone interview them after the fact to see what they were really thinking or what their intention was. But yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's always this, it's still this thing in, in society where it's, it's like anything that people don't, aren't, very educated on or just don't know is is um is this sort of uncomfortable feeling when people like if, you know even for me if i'll be talking to someone on the phone and they'll be say oh can you quick read the number on your prescription or something i'll be like um i unfortunately i can't i'm blind and people will it'll ca- catch them off guard and they'll be like oh i'm so sorry and this and that and it's like it's such a it's you know i've really tried to look at other people for the where they're coming from and i don't i'm not a judgmental person at all but sometimes in the moment it's kind of like well, why are you sorry? Like, I don't know. It's like, such a such a showstopper sometimes. Yeah, it just kind of stops yeah. you in your tracks, and you're like, oh, uh, now what do I now what do I say? But um, and I also just want to quickly say that I think it's it is interesting to to talk when you mention how some days you just don't feel like answering or responding, and that's that's the same thing about for you advocating for your your um, blind child compared to us as blind uh, adults where we're advocating for ourselves throughout um, our daily lives as well and it's it is always that balance where there's times when it, it's it's always important to to share and and educate people but at the same time you can't be on every time and someday sometimes you just you're just on a quick run to the grocery store or something and you don't you know you don't you didn't plan to stop and explain things for 15 yeah. 20 minutes so it's it is a balancing thing i think and it can get it can get stressful for sure yeah. So what kind of things did you notice that were different or that have been different since you got his diagnosis and noticed, noticed something was up um, with, with um, parenting him as um, compared to two um, sighted children before that? I think, and I'm trying to get better at this, but I think we definitely babied him more after knowing just more like, oh, he, he's not gonna hit the milestones at the same time as our sighted children would so let's help him a little more and then I think I started to realize that that wasn't really helping him so we started letting him explore more and and he like really thrived with that and getting to explore and getting to you know sometimes yeah he bonks his head or misses his mouth when he's trying to eat but it's all part of his learning So I think that's been the hardest part of parenting is just trying, recognizing that there's a difference, but also trying to not make that difference huge. Right. You know, that's something very smart to notice that early on. It's tricky because, yeah, you, you know, even no matter who who your child is, it's whether they're blind or not, you, you know, it's it's your your child. So you want to be super protective and care about them and then when when someone is um does have a disability or blindness or whatever it may be it is this it's a natural instinct to be maybe a little bit overprotective and and mm-hmm. it's it, again it's like anything it's a it's a balancing act but i do think it is very important to to see and it, it's um 
exciting to see a parent like like you who is um is allowing your child i mean it's still he's still very young but i mean at least starting to sort of figure things out on his own a little bit and and it's that's that's life right and we don't we're not gonna <laughs> live our entire lives always being shown and helped every every single moment it's not like you're gonna let someone struggle forever eventually you'll you'll help them but it's part of learning is figuring things out on your own so it's it's just really refreshing to see that yeah and plus uh, like if that's the thing usually you think by is the third child you sometimes hear parents being like yeah we let them eat whatever off the floor whereas the first kids are super protective but i guess when you have a child with a disability that can sort of be turned on its head a little bit yeah and i think i think it did turn some of our parenting ideas on their head a bit just thinking oh you know we've done this before no big deal and then you end up having a situation you haven't been in and you're like okay i don't know what i'm doing at all now <laughs> Yeah, you know, as far as an episode about child development, this is a good one. I guess what um, what would you say? You said he's about a, he's a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah. And what so what would you say are his some of his needs that you've noticed that are? I mean, we use the term special needs, and I guess there's a couple ways to look at that, right? Like in some ways, the, they might be different than what uh, most other children might need. At the same time, a lot of it is just something that isn't shouldn't necessarily be considered special i guess but what are the things that he uh has needed as far as how you're helping him along and teaching him things and getting him to interact with the world yeah i think the main thing that he needs that's different than our daughters is um just like the constant vocalization of what's going on which right. sometimes it you know, it's not something you think about generally. You just, you know, go, you make breakfast, give your kid their plate for breakfast, and that's that. Whereas with him, it, it helps him if I say, oh, do you want to have this for breakfast? I'm going to put it on your tray and put his hand out and let him feel it. And be like, that's where it is. It's on your tray. Do you want your milk? Like, have to constantly be talking, which... Um, it's not, it's not hard to do. You just have to remember <laughs> to do it because it, it just makes such a big difference to him instead of, you know, someone just coming in and picking him up to be like, Oh, hi, Timothy. It's grandma. Is it okay if I pick you up? It, it just helps him feel um, safer in his environment. Yeah. The, the latest thing I saw was, I don't know if, uh, Melissa, if you watch, uh, this is us at all, but, um, yeah. Uh, there's there's actually a storyline on there the last season or so um where the one son is is blind and uh I think it's been a good a good pretty good example uh for for audiences to watch the thing I noticed is what you just said there that um one of the things you do for a child like Timothy would be to is what they show on the show is they have them saying this is it's so and so I'm going to pick you up is that okay you know I'm, like to let them know who it is um coming coming at them so yeah, and I think it makes it's made a really big difference for for Timothy because he used to have really really bad stranger danger and wouldn't go to anybody who wasn't me or my husband. Mm -hmm. And now when he can even recognize their voices and the people that he's used to, he'll reach out for. So that definitely helps me feel better about it too, knowing that people in our family and our friends are um, taking into consideration what he needs. Right. So sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, but those are the things that most people might not think about when, um, if you're raising a, a, 
a, an infant who's blind is these things that you have to speak and you have to explain and you and it and I guess the most famous thing people think of when they think of trying to give directions to someone who's blind is, you know, people slip up or whatever and say over there, which happens to anybody, um, of course. Or somebody will say, you, you know, you get your lefts and your rights mixed up. But um, luckily you're not at that yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just it made me think of something uh, slightly unrelated, but just how, how the verbalization is helpful and even... Um, I find that happens with people occasionally if it's someone I haven't haven't seen in years or something or if I run into someone from school from back in the day or something or I don't know like whoever it may be but someone that I haven't seen in a while and I don't recognize their voice right away and sometimes someone will just be like hey how's it going and I'll say pretty good and then I'll kind of stand there and be like wait who is this and it can put me in an awkward situation so I think verbalizing it's is is an is, is an important thing to be doing because it's it just it gets rid of a lot of confusion and just especially for a young child growing up, I can only imagine that uh, just kind of feeling like there's noises everywhere and so much commotion going on and you just can't see it, so you don't know where you are and what's happening and it, it helps to have that uh, description. Yeah. Yeah, and of course you say on your blog, that's another thing that Timothy sometimes struggles with is that too much commotion going on at once. Yeah, he definitely does get overstimulated um, especially with noise. Right. I still don't like big crowds actually, but, uh, yeah. um, that could part, uh, part of that's personal preference and then part of it. Yeah. It's hard to know really what that's caused by, but, uh, so yeah. did you have, did you have help at the time? Um, like other sort of therapists you might've been going to or other assistants developmentally, or were you sort of doing it on your own or your own research? Um, at first it was really just on my own. Uh, once he got his genetic diagnosis, we did get some help through CNIB. So mm -hmm. we did see an early intervention specialist there, and we still communicate with her, but everything's closed still because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that. And we also see there's a child development center that's part of the Alberta Children's Hospital, and we see them for physiotherapy since Timothy has a bit of a gross motor delay. Um, and we're also going to be seeing them for speech to, to work on some of that too. Yeah, explain what kind of, what you mean by the motor delay. Yeah. He just, um, he just doesn't, he doesn't walk yet, uh, which is not normal for his age now at being 18 months. Um, and he wasn't crawling until 17 months. So he just wasn't hitting the milestones they wanted. Right. But they said, you know, like some of our doctors that we talked to about it weren't really that concerned and said that, um, why would he really want to crawl when that's putting his head first? And that's more risky than when he rolls around and he can feel out with his hand and know he's not going to roll into a wall. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. so it wasn't really a huge concern that he couldn't do it it's more that he didn't want to do it and how about stairs yeah stairs he doesn't really go around at all um he is starting to stand a little bit and that i think that is helping his confidence more when he stands for a while and he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't fall on his butt <laughs> but <laughs> He still gets pretty, he gets pretty scared if he feels out and he can't immediately feel my hand or feel the couch or know that there's something there that's going to keep him up. 
Right, security. Yeah. Wow. Well, I got to say, um, Brian, I think you were really delayed with your talking. Like you, I think you were like two, and you still weren't talking, and it was weird. But now you just have so much to say. So sometimes it just that sort of thing comes late later. Yeah, it's tough in those years because they feel like I mean, in s some ways they fly by, but in other ways they probably feel like they're they're they take a long time. And things are a gradual development and changes. So it's sometimes days might feel like longer than that. So it seems like oh, why isn't this happening yet? And this and that. But sometimes it does just take time. So it's uh. Everyone's at a different yeah. level, I think, so. Yeah, I think every, and every kid is so different. Like, even with my sighted daughters, they were different in when they talked and how how many words they knew at that age. So I'm not, I'm not really too concerned about it, especially not yet, because I'm like, I don't even know how to, to teach him certain words. I feel like that's going to take a bit longer and that they don't, sometimes you know, the checklists they have for development don't take into consideration um, a kid having a disability at all. Right. That's, that should be one of the sort of ca categories or sections that's considered for sure. All right. We're speaking with Melissa here today, who has a blog called Happiness is Blind, which we'll get into more after the ads. So we're going to take a quick break here on Outlook and we'll be back on Radio Western. Welcome back. You are listening to Outlook on Radio Western today, uh, this morning, and we are speaking with Melissa from Calgary, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so her blog is called Happiness is Blind, and uh, it hasn't been around that long. It's just been around since your son, Timothy, was uh, a couple months old. I guess we always talk about um, the kind of questions our siblings receive uh about about us and uh how they get the question about what it's like to have a sibling who is blind so uh you know i'm, I'm just wondering if there's anything you can say about how your daughters um are with him i mean it, to them it's natural so there's maybe not much to say but yeah i think it's actually it's actually been really interesting and you know because my daughters are still pretty young it's yeah it's kind of, I don't think, like our, our middle child, she's just about three, and she was only a year and a half old when Timothy was born. And so I don't think she really understands yet that he's blind. Um, I think when she tries to interact with him and he just kind of like hits at her or, you know, is grabbing at her, she just thinks that, He's being rude. She doesn't think <laughs> that he just doesn't know where she is exactly. So she kind of is confused by him still, I would say. Um, my, our older daughter, um, she definitely tries to understand, I think. And she sometimes she catches herself when she says certain things. And tries to correct herself if she's like, oh, Timothy, look at this. And then she's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's okay. you, you know, you don't have to feel bad about saying little things. And, you know, you can still bring, you can bring it over to him and let him hold it. Or she tries to understand and she tries to explain to, you know, her friends or other people that she 
Mm-hmm. She meets about him, and I think it's really cute because I think she'll be she'll be a good help to him as he gets older. Yeah, we definitely have somewhat of a similar connection, having um, niece, nieces and nephews uh, growing up and and seeing their uncle and aunt as blind people. So it, it puts gives me that same kind of a similar perspective or thought about that, where it's uh, you know you hear about my niece at school telling people that her uncle and aunt are blind and this and that and it just it normalizes it in the in the family and it's a it's neat to see someone who just always knows that and grows up with that and uh just it's it's interesting seeing how they how they react and learn about it and and the age that that people are able to comprehend blindness uh, right that's sort of slightly different for everybody but yeah but when they learn that saying, look at over here, look at this, isn't going yeah, like to get, nep- get them anywhere. With nep- our nephew and stuff, too, we just have to say sometimes, like, oh, he, his eyes don't work. You have to you have to show him kind of thing or put it in his hand or whatever. But then, you know, it's over time, it just becomes natural and people get used to it and it just doesn't seem out of the ordinary. So it's. Uh... But I have to say, like, uh, having to, having older siblings who are sighted is is a great thing. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I won't. Yeah. Be, I won't speak for Timothy We're going good. forward, but uh, from our perspective, it, it was. It's been. It was great growing up having uh, each other, but yet at the same time having these older siblings who, I mean, they look out you, out for you like older siblings should or often do. But uh, there's an extra level of just sometimes that certainty they have when they're explaining it to someone else or the questions they ask. But it just becomes normal, and I, I, w- I technically wish every sibling could have a blind sibling if that was possible yeah i think it's great for their it's it's great for both of them like it's great for timothy to have you know his sighted siblings who can help him out but it's also great for them to have him to kind of open their world a little bit and their understanding so that they will hopefully grow up as more welcoming understanding people than than some people you meet who've never been around anyone with a disability who sometimes are very uncomfortable with the idea of being around anyone who has a disability. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that's an awkward thing to be in the middle of, no matter you know which side you're seeing it from, of course. But um, yeah, so I'm sure you get a lot of questions about once you know he, they know that he has this LCA, uh, they might want to ask a few questions about that. But I'm sure the question often comes up about is, there isn't a cure, or is there not a cure, or something you can do. Do you get that a lot, or? Yeah, I do get that a lot, um, and I know on the news a few days ago, even there was some talk about Luxterna because they're trying to get it approved mm-hmm. here, uh, like in Canada. And then I had people sending it to me and be like, oh, there is a treatment for that. And I'm like, yes, but it's, you know, it's not here and it's not for the right gene. And oh, like you're always constantly explaining (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a very simple concept for some people where it's like, oh, there's a, I heard there's a a cure for blindness or something that will help someone see a bit better. So, you know, here you go kind of thing where it's like, I think it's like anything like, I don't I don't know if this is a really great comparison but something like something like cancer or no matter what someone can get there's always someone sending tons of all this info like oh do this do this do this do this and it's um I don't think that's a great comparison necessarily but it just it's kind of the thing where people are just they're trying to help but at the same time it's 
it can also get sometimes just be more f annoying or, or sometimes frustrating than yeah. other times. And... <laughs> yeah, it definitely can be frustrating. And I think it was, it was hard for me, especially um, at first with his diagnosis to have so many people in our family always asking me about a treatment because it kind of made me feel like, well, why isn't he okay just how he is? Right. Yeah, you talk in the in your blog about people saying, you know, talking about him being fixed, and then your your very valid point to that is, well, he's not broken. Like, what? What? It's just such a weird term, and when people, it's the whole thing about cures that we talk about on this show a lot, and it's not it's not that there's anything wrong with, you know, obviously this research is important and and all this kind of stuff, but at the same time, it's like we have to live our lives and work with what we do have instead of trying to look about look for this thing that may or may not exist in our lifetimes it's it's mo more so uh, beneficial to to look at how we can adapt and make things still you know complete and fulfilling and just the way they are so yeah well i think it would be hard also to to try and get a, a treatment like that to a child when you're still not sure how much they're seeing anyway yeah and i think that's always you know something that me and my husband have talked about quite a lot after his diagnosis was, you know, even if let's say a treatment becomes available in the time that before he's an adult, would that be something that is our choice? I don't know if it would because it's not my body. It's not my vision. You know, it's, it's him and it's what Timothy's life is. And I don't want, I wouldn't want to make that choice for him. I think that would always be his choice. Yeah, that's, that yeah. is a great point because that's that's even someone someone for me where, you know, I'm 33 years old. But when I hear I even hear, you know, people still talking about cures and, and this and that. And it's sometimes it, it's it seems like it's almost to make other people feel better than actually the person who is blind, who maybe isn't necessarily comfortable with that idea at the moment of getting treatment or just, you know, maybe they are kind of comfortable with the way things are. And sure, if, if there was a perfect treatment someday and it had been tested and it definitely worked maybe that would be a different story but it's um yeah i just think it's uh it's something that people can think about when they're not actually going through blindness or in the situation but once you are it's it's a def definitely a different perspective yeah definitely it changes your perspective when um you're in the situation versus just reading about it <laughs> of course yeah yeah you see a, yeah. a, a, a an article about it there's there's a cure and the right away that just jumps out and you people get excited about seeing that but they don't really it's you know it goes a lot a lot deeper than that so yeah and of course you're i mean you're it's it's the question of when you're an adult and you can make that decision for yourself versus a child but sometimes these treatments they do say the earlier you do it the better but yeah mm -hmm. i mean i again on this show, just for this purposes of this show, we're speaking as adult versions of someone with LCA, not obviously for that person. But I just, I think Timothy will uh, appreciate that you gave him his childhood with his sisters and his family and a good life more than, you know, running around trying to get the latest cure necessarily. So it's just sort yeah, of a complicated topic. Yeah. Well, and I don't want, I wouldn't want to look back in five years and think all I did for the first five years of his life was figure out how to change him instead of figure out how to help him thrive with 
just how he is because I just don't feel like there's a point in that. I think it's so much better to just accept this is the life that we were given and we were given it for a reason. So let's do everything we can to make it the best we can. All right. Yeah, definitely. So I thought now we would switch a little bit over more specifically to the blog. And um, so you, you started the blog last year. I think your first post was in November, I think, of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But to start start by the, um, with the title. Now, I want to just quickly mention how on our show, we also do talk a lot about different terms and how blindness is looked at. And I just, I, th- I think the title of your blog is so perfect and... A lot of times people these days, I, I, I just hear a lot of referencing to sight loss. And that just sounds kind of so negative to me. It's, it's talking about a negative, like, whereas when you say happiness is blind, first, first of all, you're using the word blind, which is very specific and to the point, which I like. And then the happiness part make, sort of makes you question, think about it, really, and really consider the, the title. And it also just sounds kind of like very positive. So I was kind of curious. Mm-hmm. how you thought of that title and and uh yeah. the story behind that so i think i think i was trying to think of a title for quite a while i wanted something that was was positive um and i i kind of was going off of you know the age old saying of love is blind <laughs> mm-hmm. and right. thinking about that and thinking trying to think of other words that you could use um and the reason i kind of chose happiness was just uh, when I was putting together everything and putting together my pictures of Timothy and just, you know, how he's such a smiley kid and he always has been that it just kind of made me think about, you know, a deeper meaning of true happiness doesn't have to do with, you know, the the things that like material things or anything like that. True happiness is comes from something within and you don't have to you know have sight in order to be happy so i just thought that i kind of wanted i wanted my blog and and timothy to kind of represent that you know having a disability doesn't mean it doesn't mean a horrible sad thing it you're still you can be very happy and it can represent a lot of positive things too Right, Timothy as a happy baby, mm-hmm. because all that matters to him is his mom and dad and his sisters, and that's yeah, all and that matters right now. He he gets so much joy out of every little thing that he does, and <laughs> it doesn't matter to him about if he saw it or not. Yeah, and that's a big part of it when you know, and talking about oh, you, you know, he doesn't get to see the. I saw the, read the post on, the, on your blog about Christmas time last year where having a tree full of lights and stuff where he, he wouldn't automatically turn his head to look at it. Cause he, you know, so it's, it's that thing where you, oh, he'll never get to see this or, th- or that. But for someone, you know, I would, like Carrie mentioned before, I never would speak on behalf of anyone else. I don't speak for all blind people. I speak for myself. But um, I just think it's, it's something I have never seen. So not that it wouldn't be, yeah, neat to see. And I understand if someone's been able to see for their entire life, how they would feel like someone's missing out. But I just always like to go back and maybe it, maybe it's obvious to some degree, but for me, not never being able to see it, I don't miss it because I've never seen it. So it's, again, it's more of a, something that other people feel. And I, I can totally understand why 
you would feel like that, but it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, Christmas is, is about so much more like Christmas that would have mattered to you. The memories you would have had, Brian are, you know, the Christmas songs or the sound of the jingle bells or the smell of pine from the tree. Yeah. Or, and I, th- I know, really, I really like how or... you in the, in your blog described on the, about the tree having the, the cinnamon, I think you said smell and the, and the, the yeah. tactile stuff he could feel and just, yeah. And, and then, and then you also talk a lot about how Christmas isn't about the material issues. It's about, you know, having people together and being with family and people that you love. And that's, those are the memories I have from Christmas too. You know, these days we don't really buy each other gifts at this point really anymore besides the, our nieces and nephews. It's more just being together as a family. So. Yeah. And I think, I think Christmas uh, last year, I felt a lot of um, pressure, I guess, around Christmas because it was his first Christmas and we had just got his diagnosis and it just kind of felt like, oh, how do we make this like great for him? <laughs> but mm. then you kind of realize that it's really like it's not that hard. <laughs> if you just you just don't worry about little things that don't really matter. Like it doesn't it it didn't affect his Christmas that he didn't see the Christmas tree or that he didn't see the snow. Like he still experienced Christmas and he still was around our family. And it was great. A lot of people in our family really contributed to making Christmas fun for him and putting little bells on his presents and little things that just made it easier for him to interact with. And that was more about the meaning of Christmas than whether or not he saw the tree. Right. And I think you said sort of the same thing with his first celebrating his first birthday. Unsure. But then, of course, COVID hit right at March. So mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that like? Um, I was pretty disappointed that COVID hit and uh, yeah, we kind of, where I am, we got reduced to uh, 15 people gathering right before his birthday party. So I had to cancel. Um, We ended up just having a family dinner, but you know, it was still great because he still got a cake and that was really all he cared about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> he liked the icing or? Yeah, he, he really just put his entire face into the cake and just ate it with his, like, just with his face straight in it. He didn't, didn't use his hands or anything. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, yeah, with Christmas coming up, I guess, Halloween first, but uh, Christmas mm-hmm. shortly. Um, I guess now it's your second sort of holiday time since Timothy, yeah. Uh, you sort of know what more to expect, of course, with COVID's changing things. Um, what else has changed with COVID? Anything has been affecting you guys as far as Timothy and his development? Or have you guys, is he okay with the routine you guys have? Um, I think at first it it had negatively kind of affected his development because uh, we didn't get to go to any of our, our services. And we also weren't around anybody. So he kind of regressed in his stranger danger mm-hmm. when we started going around people again, because he was so used to just being around us again, that it started freaking him out a little. But now that we're kind of moved along and past that part, he's, he's starting to do better. Um, and his development has, has gotten back on track, even just at home with me doing things with him. So I think 
I think we're back at a good spot now, but we did take a little bit of a dip originally, just, you know, with everything being closed and not even getting to, to go see anybody, it makes it hard because you're just really isolated. Right. So as far as happiness is blind, which is your, your blog, what have people, what has the reception sort of been with that? So it's been a year almost. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I've had a really good reception with it. And I've really enjoyed the fact that I've been able to connect with so many families of either parents of children who are blind or parents of children who have another disability or um, adults who are blind. Like I've been able to connect with so many people in that community that has really helped me because once you have those connections, you know, if you have a question, you can reach out and say, oh, you know, Timothy's doing this, or how can I help Timothy do this? And you have like a network of people that can point you in the right direction. So I think that was, that was kind of my goal with it was to create a community for myself of other families, and then to also kind of spread awareness so that maybe somebody else who ends up in that situation doesn't feel like they don't know anything going on. Right. Yeah, that's great. And I'm, like I said, I'm glad that's how I sort of found you. One of the, one of the highlights I want to point out is, is how involved that you, you are with research and learning about this stuff yourself and, and, you know, really taking um, a stand for, for advocacy or accessibility. And I was just kind of curious, uh, obviously he's still pretty young, so you haven't, you haven't had to deal, or Timothy, I guess I could use his name, um, is, is still pretty young, so you wouldn't have to do a ton of thinking about that yet, but I'm um, just kind of curious what you've learned so far about accessibility as to how, how accessible things are and what sort of things are involved in that, and as well as advocacy so far, what you've learned about advocacy, obviously you, you take it seriously and as, important because you're doing all this research and you are telling people and learning about it yourself. So just some thoughts on advocacy and accessibility. Yeah. So I think with accessibility and I don't, you know, I definitely don't know everything there is to know about it at this point, but I just really started noticing how many things are going to be a little more difficult for him that it's just something you don't think of. And like, even just everywhere I go, I notice things like at the grocery store, like reading labels or going even to buy clothes, like to pick a size or pick a, you know, go to a change room, all these things. There's nothing that's really, that nothing really seems accessible to me when, right. I, when I go and I try to think of, okay, well, is he going to have to have somebody come and help him pick his underwear till he's, you know, in his twenties, because there's no, there's no braille labeling on anything. Yeah. I got to say when I got to see uh, a box of Uno cars with braille and the actual packaging last year in the store, I was, I was excited uh, because yeah, you wish that it was everywhere because why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, now they are they are def they are doing some developments with with phones being able to scan barcodes and stuff like that. But even that, mm -hmm. you know, it still takes techno um, technology and still isn't isn't very um, you know 
isn't totally foolproof yet and it's still not still not very accessible and i've i have heard of certain countries i think i think maybe sweden or some countries do have a lot more braille labels in stores and stuff like that so i think these things could be done it's just uh it's a matter of making things more accessible and uh um, it's like maybe by the time Timothy's, you know, a teenager, we'll have some some more improvements. Yeah, yeah things kind of figured out a bit more. Um, and one, one other little little thing I did want to comment on was was the fact that I saw on your on your blog that you have you did take some time and learn to learn uh, learn a bit of Braille. And obviously he's he's still pretty young for that. But I think that that's also mm-hmm. amazing that you stepped in to to learn it yourself. To you know, if 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 your child's going to be learning it, why not learn it as well, right? So I just thought that was. Pretty, yeah, pretty I definitely, awesome. and I, I want to learn it better <laughs> than I have because I just, I want to be able to sit down and help him with his homework the same way I would help my other daughters. I don't want it to be feel like, you know, because he has a different way of learning that we're not involved. I want to be involved and I want him to know that we care to to do what needs to be done to help him. And I just think that 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 makes a difference, um, hopefully, in his self-confidence and stuff to know that people care and that people are are there and it's not um, going, it's not necessarily going out of my way. It's just doing what a, a parent would do to help their kid. Have you gotten any labels or any Braille, little print Braille books at all yet? Have you put his hand on Braille at all? Yeah, he has um, quite a few books that are have the Braille on them. Oh, good. So we, nice. we read them, and I, like, put his fingers over them just to kind of get him used to it. Right, just used and, to the sensation. Yeah, and we have a little Braille labeler, so I put, I've put his name on a couple of his little um, things that are in his room so that he can feel that, and I plan to as he's older, like label things around the house, like in the kitchen and things like that to help him know where things are. That's great. Yeah. I just really want to stress to any, anyone who's listening or um, just curious how, how, how important that is and how, how amazing it is that you are introducing him into Braille so young, because, you know, I, th- I think I was, I think my mom introduced me to it pretty young as well. I don't even remember learning it really. And I just think that Braille is is a is definitely a skill set, and it's it's like anything. If you're the younger you are, the the better, the easier it can be sometimes to learn. Your mind's a little bit more open, and so I just think that that's that's so important, and it's just really great to hear. Uh, but the next thing I'm picturing him with is a little cane, a little white cane. Yeah, yeah. We got him a little um, CNIB <laughs> intervention specialist that we work with asked us to get him a mini hockey stick. Uh, oh. to kind of use as we're practicing standing as kind of like a precursor to a cane, just getting used to holding something and moving it around and feeling what's out there. So we got him that and he seems to really like it. <laughs> so he'll be into hockey or yeah, it'll get him right onto using white canes in a few yeah. years. Wow. I'm looking ahead to his, I'm already looking ahead to his school days. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. Time flies when, I just wanted to say again that I really appreciated you coming on because just coming across your posts and reading them and following you guys, your family and Timothy is just brought a lot of joy to, to my days as far as happiness is blind. When I see your posts, I'm always happy to come across them. So I appreciate that you're doing that. And I know it's not always easy to put yourself out like that. So 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me on here and letting me share a bit about Timothy. Yeah, and I'm always here if you have any questions ever. Don't feel, um, you know, feel free to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. And that's why we do shows like this, too, is to educate other people. And um, so hopefully that can be a resource for others. And uh, maybe just quickly talk about a little bit so where people can people can find you then. So that's happinessisblind.com is your blog. Yeah. And then Happiness is Blind is also on Facebook and on Instagram. Great. So guys, go check that out. It'll make your day, I promise. Yeah, I was, I've was. i been reading through it quite a bit this week. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot. And just it's really neat to see it from the other side. Because like mm -hmm. Carrie mentioned, we, we grew up blind. So now being adults and seeing this happening to another family is just, it's, it is exciting. And uh, yeah, it makes me feel good. So yeah, it's all the best for you guys as Timothy grows. Thank you. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.